Welcome to Connect Sunday. All right, some of you have no idea what that is, but clap for it, okay? Just the opiate of the people right now. Welcome to Connect Sunday. Hey, yeah. They're like, you may be introducing us to our executioner, but we're cheering. We're cheering because you told us to. Hey, we are excited. Today is Connect Sunday, and what this is really about, it's helping you get connected to other believers so that you can make it in your Christian life. So today the service is structured a little bit different, so I hope you can follow along with me. But first and foremost of all, do we have any guests with us here today? Any guests? If you can raise your hand for us, any guests in La Casa? There we go. All right, yeah. Hey, good to have you here with us. Thank you so much for coming. Make sure you stop by the Connect Center before you go so that we have a gift for you and we would love to get to know you just a little bit better so that we can serve you better. At this time, I want to dismiss our little ones to their unique time of discipleship. So can I have my third through fifth graders head right out this way? Third through fifth graders, can you guys lead the way? Yeah, yeah, okay, there they go, there they go. All right, and of course, following on their heels is the K through second graders. Go on after them. And last, but certainly not least, our babies and toddlers, you can follow them all out. And if you need assistance from your parents, that is quite all right. Great. There goes all the little ones. Fantastic. Well, as I said, today is Connect Sunday, and uh, we are going to do things a little bit non-traditionally today. So I hope you are prepared to engage. We really do want you to connect with one another as we work through this sermon. And in fact, today you are going to participate in the sermon a little bit. So I hope you brought your preaching shoes or whatever it is, because we're all going to be working together to, to unpack this passage that we're looking at. So the title of the message today is simply Created to Connect. Let me pray, and then we'll dive right into God's Word. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I pray today we would be reminded of the gift that the body of Christ is. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let me take a survey here. Who knows what the largest toy company is in the world? The largest toy company in the world. Let, let me hear you shout about here. Mattel. Mattel, wrong. Fisher Price, wrong. Hasbro, wrong. The largest in the world, I heard the correct answer, is none other than Lego. Lego is the largest toy company in the world as of, I think, 2020, it took that title. Legos were created back in 1932, and the stackable brick was created in 1947. And if you have never had the distinct privilege of stepping on one of those lippet, oh, friends, you are missing out of one of life's delights, the joy of stepping on a Lego in the middle of the night. It's tremendous. It's a tremendous thing. Here, here's the thing about Legos. Um, we have like, I don't know, maybe 10 billion of them at our house. And um, when my kids say that they want to play with them, they don't say, Dad, can I go play Lego? 
Can I go play with a Lego? Well, because playing with one block is not very fun at all, right? Like, it, it, it's, it, you can't do much with just this one single block. Instead, they say, Dad, can I play with Legos? Because Legos were actually created to interlock and to interplay with one another. They were, as, it's, as we could say, created to connect. And when you start putting Legos together, you can do all kinds of fun things and hours of play and hours of fun because you are doing what they were created to do in a sense. They were made to interlock, to interplay with one another. And here's the reality. So were human beings. Human beings, just like Legos in a sense, were created to connect. And we see that on the very first pages of Scripture. In fact, if you're familiar with the creation story in Genesis chapter 1, there's a pattern that emerges. On day 1, God creates light and he says that it is good. And then on day 2, God creates the atmosphere and says it is. Then on day 3, God creates the dry land and says it is. Day 4, God creates the sun, moon, and stars and says it's, it is. Day 5, God creates the fish and the birds and says it is. Day 6, God creates the animals and says it is. And then God creates Adam. And he looks at Adam and he says in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, it is not what? Good that man should be alone. So there's this pattern, create good, create good, create good, create good. You get to Adam and his aloneness and God says, uh, not so good. The first not good in human history is around aloneness. What is more, when God describes his creation of mankind over in Genesis chapter 1, he says this. Look carefully at the pronouns. Let, what's it say? What's it say? Let, okay, all right, all right, all right. Maybe you're new to planet Earth, okay. But when a speaker like points at you, that means you say it, okay. Let, Oh, good. So good. Let us make mankind in image. What do you notice there? Both of those pronouns are plural. So God, the first community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwelling in unbroken fellowship with one another, says, I want to make mankind, and I'm going to make them in my image. And part of what that means is I'm going to make more than one of them. Mankind was created to be communal or connected because God himself is communal and connected. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwelling in unbroken fellowship for all eternity says, I want to make mankind in my image, and therefore they need to have fellowship with one another. If I could put it very, very simply, I would say it this way. You were created for connection. It's what you were made for. It's why when a baby is first born and they begin to cry, their first longing is to be what? Connected with their mother. It's why when someone goes to prison and they really get in trouble, they get put in what? Solitary confinement. Because being isolated from other human beings, that is a punishment in and of itself. It's why in the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, he starts talking to who? Wilson. A volleyball. Why? Because he knew at some level, like being isolated, being separated, it's not right. I am meant for 
connection. All of us are created by God in his image to connect with other people. But as you know, even though we crave connection at some deep level, relationships do not always come easy, right? If I went around this room and and started to say, hey, what's the biggest struggle in your life? No doubt many of you would list something related to a relationship. Because even though relationships are a blessing and we all experience the blessing of relationships, we also know relationships can be hard work. So why are something that we created for that is meant to be for our good and our blessing and our benefit sometimes so difficult? Why is that such a challenge? There's one word and the answer is this, sin. You see, after God made Adam and Eve and sin was introduced to the equation, relationships got tricky. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8. God commands, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve do so, and look what happens. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Up to this point in creation, when God would have come to spend time with Adam and Eve, they would have rejoiced. They would have delighted. They would have ran to God. It would have been what they were looking forward to. And then we read in this passage that after sin entered the equation, what happens? They hid. Sin comes in. Relationship with God gets damaged. It gets broken. But that's not the only thing. After God says to Adam, what happened? What is going on here? And confronts him for his disobedience. Look at what it says in Genesis 2, verse 12. Adam's response. The woman, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. So Adam finds a bus, which wasn't invented yet, and throws Eve under it. So not only is Adam's relationship with God broken through sin, what else is broken? His relationship with man. Both our vertical relationships because of sin into the equations and our horizontal relationships because of sin gets damaged. Mankind was created to connect first with God and then with one another. But when sin entered into the world, all of that got messed up. Now listen, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus came into the world to be the great reconciler, Colossians chapter 1, verse number 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. Now notice this, and through Christ to reconcile, what's the word there? It says everything. Reconcile everything everything to himself. In other words, one of the reasons that Jesus came into the world was to make relationships right, to heal the breach between God and man, and actually to mend the breach between man and man as well. I mean, think about heaven for a second. If Jesus didn't come to do that, and you had a right relationship with God, but wrong relationships with everybody else, would heaven be a very delightful place, yes or no? No, we've all been at those family reunions where that's happened, right? But no, God has sent his son into the world to not only reconcile us this way, but to reconcile us this way as well. Horizontal or vertical reconciliation overflows into horizontal reconciliation. We have been made right with God so that we can also be right with our fellow man. Which leads me to my point this morning. It's simply this. We must live connected. 
We must live connected. And I would argue this is particularly to, to relationships in the church. You see, even though sin wrecks relationships, Jesus reconciles them. That's the good news. Sin wrecks relationships, but Jesus reconciles them. And it's part of the reason why God brought us here together. This body, these people that have trusted in the work of Jesus, we have been brought together, reconciled by the work of Jesus. So this raises the question, why is that so important? Why is it really critical to live connected with others? I mean, certainly that's why God created us that way, but, but why? I mean, God, being God, being infinitely wise and infinitely powerful, could have created the world in any way, shape, or form. He could have, like, created us to live in these isolated pockets, but he didn't. He created us to live in relationship. Why? Well, I think our passage here in 1 Peter chapter 2 answers that question very plainly. And this morning, I want us, we're going to do it together, remember I told you, I want us to highlight from this text two reasons why we were created for community, two benefits of living connected with one another. You ready? That was less than overwhelming. Okay, are you ready? Okay, here's how we're going to do it. Now, hopefully you got a handout when you came in, two handouts. I want you to take the smaller one right now, the smaller handout. You see it? Everybody got it? If you didn't get it, Raise your hand in just a moment. Hang on. In just a moment, raise your hand, and some folks are going to find you with that handout. Here's what you're going to do. You are going to break up with some people right around you. I hope you sat by people that were lovely this morning. If not, you're bad, okay? Um, You're going to break up with some folks around you, and you are going to discuss those two sets of questions on the bottom of that handout. Everybody see it? Say yes if you see it. Say no if you don't. Okay, look on your handout. On the bottom of it, there are two sets of questions. Got it? Say yes. Anybody still need help? Okay, okay, still need help. That's my mother. Okay, no, all right, she's in trouble. Okay, so on the bottom, there's two sets of questions. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to gather with some folks, and you're going to talk about those questions from the book of 1 Peter. The verse is going to be up on the stage on the screen, and we're gonna give you a few minutes to talk about that with folks. So if you need to get up and move around, that's cool, but you are gonna do this kind of homework to get us ready for the rest of the message. Got it? All right, now, at this point, we're gonna turn the house music on. If you didn't get a handout, raise your hand, and somebody will come find you with a handout on your marks. Get set, start discussing, go. some great dialogue going on. I hate to interrupt, but you'll get mad at me if I keep you too long. So uh, it's all self-interest here. Great. Well, hopefully you had some great conversation there. And just as a preview, that's a little bit of what happens at our community groups. We'll be talking about that in just a moment, but we want you to be engaging with one another, not just engaging with what the preacher says. So here we go. We're going to highlight two of those benefits. The first benefit that I hope you see in the text is our good. The reason that God calls us to community, calls us to connection, is for our own good. So how does this passage describe followers of Jesus? Let's holler some of those out for me. What did you see? Chosen. Very good. 
holy. Light in the darkness. Great. What else? God's people. What else you got? Well, let me just rip through them here. Simply, when you read the verse, it says that we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. Now, when you see those or hear those, how are those descriptors all similar? Well, the simple idea is this. They're all collective nouns. Did you notice that? They're groups. They're not individuals. They're a collection of people, a nation, a priesthood, a race, a people. These are all groups of people. Well, what does that mean then? It's simply to say the way we say it around here is Christianity, if you look at the Bible's version of Christianity, is never envisioned as this solo effort. Christianity is simply a team sport. Let me explain that. I know I've used this illustration a thousand times, but you guys don't remember it, so it's fine. If you do, great. You're getting it. If not, um, you know, I'm just going to keep saying it till I die because I can't improve upon it. How many golfers here? Any golfers here? We've got officially zero golfers. Come on, that's nobody golfs. Nobody wants to claim it. All right, it's not like sinful. Okay, all right. Wow, this is a bunch of dishonest liars. Seriously, like nobody golfs. All right, all right, okay, all right. In the game of golf, who is responsible for the scorecard at the end of a round? Who? You. Because you do everything. You play the whole game. You can go out, even this afternoon, you can go out and play a round of golf all by your what? Self. Why? It's an individual sport. You are responsible for it. However, uh, what about football? Can you go in the backyard and play a game of football by yourself? The answer is no. Like, maybe you could do some drills related to football. Like, you, you can work on your quickness. You can work on your throwing. But you cannot play football without at least one other individual. It's just not possible. Why? Because football is a team sport. You can play golf by yourself. You can't play football by yourself. And let me tell you this. You can't play Christianity by yourself. You can't. It's a team sport. God created it that way, and we are called to live in connection for one another because that is how the Bible envisions Christianity. Or if I could put it this way, in following the Lord, the progress of the we is always greater than the me. The we is always greater than the me. We struggle together. We grow together. We face setbacks together and we win together. This is a team effort. And despite kind of our rugged American individualism that says we should live on our own and pull ourselves up by our brute straps, it's not that all of that is bad. We need some initiative, we need some grit, we need some toughness. But at the end of the day, when you look at the way the Bible talks about Christianity, it is called living in community. We need to do it together, together. You know, um, simply stated, it's this. Um, Why does this encourage you? Well, stop and think of it for a moment. When we see the Christian life as inextricably corporate, It reminds us that no matter who we are or no matter where we come from, no matter what our baggage is, 
no matter what our history is, no matter how little we have, we feel we have to offer, we belong. If the Christian life is a team sport and you have trusted in the work of Jesus and you've been brought into that, no matter what your story, no matter your brokenness, no matter how inadequate or insufficient you feel, you belong. Um, Peter highlights that in this passage. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Well, what is he doing there? He's highlighting the idea of belonging. Like once you were isolated, you were cut off, you didn't have a people. You were just this collection of individuals. You were out on your own. You were orphans. You were strangers. But then suddenly, when you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ, now you're not not a people anymore. Now you are God's people. You belong. You are part of something bigger than yourself. Your life has worth and value in sense because you are connected to Jesus. If I could put it very simply, believers belong. Why did Jesus lay down his life to bring us into community? Because he is kind and he is wise. And he knows the deepest longing of our heart in one sense is to belong. He knows at one level all of us want to feel that we belong to something greater than ourselves. Sometimes we think about the work of Jesus. And we praise God that when we trust in Jesus, he changes our destiny. Like we don't go to hell when we die. That's wonderful. But there is more to the gospel than that. And it's simply this. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus died not just to give you a father, but a family. He died not just so that you would be right with God, but he died so that you could have brothers and sisters in Christ, so that you could belong to something that is eternal significance, something far larger than yourself. If you have turned away from your sins and put your hope in Jesus and Jesus alone, God in his grace and mercy has invited you to be connected. Sure, we got a bunch of crazy uncles. Some of them are in here this morning. Do you want me to introduce them to you? But isn't it better than going it all alone? Even with our flaws, even with our failures, isn't it better to know that literally these are your people? Their flaws, their problems, they're not like your brothers and sisters. They are your brothers and sisters because of the work of Jesus. First reason or first benefit of connection is that it is for our good. Second reason is this, or second benefit is his glory. Our good is not the only reason that God calls us to stay connected for one another. Look again at the questions you asked there. According to verse number nine, why did God bring his people together? Hopefully you look at what it says, First Peter chapter two, verse nine. So that, whenever you see so that in the Bible, pay attention so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. In other words, God has brought us into the community. God has brought us into his family so that we can proclaim his praises. In light of this then, what are outsiders meant to see as we love one another or through our relationships. Look at what it says again, First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. They are meant to see the praises of who? 
of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Or as the ESV says it, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, put your theological thinking caps on here because this is, this is really important. If you get this idea, it will shift the way that you think about church. The reason that God created the church, the reason that God brought his people together is not just so we would be comfortable. It's not just so that we would have a family. That's true, and those are good things. These are blessings that God has given us. But the reason that God created the church is so that the world could see his character. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 11, or 1 John chapter 4, verse number 12. Look at what it says. No one has ever seen God. Why is that? Why has no one ever seen God? It's not tricky. He's a spirit. He's invisible. You can't see him. No one has ever seen God, but, oh, wait. So there is a way you can see God? Yes, there is. But if we love one another, if the church loves one another, if God's people love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Holy smokes. It means that if the church is united and loving and gracious and kind and giving and selfless and laying down their preferences and giving themselves for one another, that the world actually sees what God is like. And the inverse is true. If we do not love one another, guess what? The world does not see God. There is nothing compelling about a divided church. There is nothing compelling about selfish people. But there is something powerfully compelling about people who give themselves for one another. There's something powerfully compelling when diverse people in particular, young and old and black and white and brown and rich and poor and everything in between begin to say, this is not like my family, this is my family and I'm gonna love them as such. I don't just affirm everything they say, but I actually love them. I give myself for them. I spend and I am willingly spent for them. The character of God, listen to this, is made visible by the people of God. Look, we owe it to our community to love one another. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Like, it's not about us fundamentally. It's about them. It's about our neighbors. It's about our city. We owe it to them to love us. The most compelling way that we can show the character of God to the world is not fundamentally, according to the scripture, it's not fundamentally by loving the world. It's by loving the church. It's by loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. In the words of the philosopher and theologian Francis Schaeffer, here's how he puts it. Our relationship with each other is the criteria the world uses to judge whether or our message is truthful. Listen, Christian community is the final apologetic. The way the world is to make sense of the message that we proclaim is the community that we have in here. Friends, there is so much at stake in us loving one another. 
There is so much at stake at you working through relationships. There is so much at stake as us striving to be the body of Christ. It is not just our comfort or our convenience. It is our testimony to the watching world. Perhaps you've heard at some point, um, if you've been around the church block any length of time, you may have heard the statement, you're the only Jesus some people will ever see. You ever heard that before? Or the only Jesus some people will ever see is you. This fits my illustration better, so I got to change my placement of pronouns here. If I could amend that statement, I understand what people are getting at there. But if I could say it maybe a little bit more scripturally, I would say it's this. The only Jesus some people will ever see is us. Us. In other words, you don't view God's character in isolation from other believers. How can people know the love of God if they don't see us loving one another? How can people know the forgiveness of God if they don't see us forgiving one another? How can people know the gentleness and the mercy and the kindness and the sacrifice of God if they don't see us doing all of those things in the church? The way that we make clear and evident the power and the grace of God is by our community with one another. For these reasons and many more, at Gospel Hope, helping people stay or get and stay connected to community, it's not icing on the cake, it's the cake. It's not incidental to our mission, it's central to our mission. So our mission statement at Gospel Hope is simply this. We wanna make disciples, let's see how you do, who are growing in the gospel, our relationship with God, as a family, that's our relationship with one another, while on, that's the way we engage the world. You know, if you failed that test, you're in big trouble because it's on the screen behind me. I mean, that makes me feel better, like I'm doing a good job of communicating that to you because you all said it so, so well there. So getting you connected is critical to us growing as a family. That's just part of the Christian life. You're not meant to meet, live isolated. So we want to help you get connected as a family. And the primary vehicle that we use to do that is what we call community groups. Community groups are simply smaller gatherings of the church that meet throughout the week. They're led by trained leaders, and the mission of community group is simply this. We want to cultivate community. How? By considering the word. We want you to study the Bible together. By connecting with one another, we want you to be in relationships with one another. By communing with God, we want you to pray with one another. And by caring for the world, we want you to engage with your neighbors. As you know, if you've been around Gospel Hope very long, we kind of take a break from community groups during the summer, and we are getting ready to relaunch those things right now. So this week, community groups are relaunching. Usually, they meet for about five months, so we ask you to commit for, to a community group for a five-month period, and then you can take a break during the holidays, and then we'll be back at it once again in January, take a break in the summer. That's kind of the rhythm that we do. There are basically two types of community groups. And listen, I'm just gonna tell you right up front, here's my sale pitch. I am going to give you time in this service today, in just a moment, to get connected to a community group. My desire is that everybody would walk out of here, even today, every single person would walk out of here today connected to a community group. I think it is that important. I think it is so critical to your Christian life. Rod and I can preach the best sermons in the world. Well, Rod can preach the best sermons in the world, and I can preach very average sermons week after week. 
But if you are not connected to relationships, we really can't take care of you. Like as a shepherd, like I'm like, man, I cannot take care of you for an hour on Sunday. I need other believers in your life to be rallying around you and helping you grow. We are not a church that loves little wandering sheep trying to do it on their own. You are pray for the wolves when you get away from the pack. So we want you connected. So no apologies, just straight up, I'm gonna ask you to make a commitment even this morning. Sign up, get connected to a group because we really want you to be thriving in your spiritual life. We have two types of community groups. First type is what we just call our standard issue community group. And they're mainly like geographically based uh, they meet in various locations throughout the week in homes, primarily. A couple of them meet here at the church campus. Um, but here's what we say about those. Relationship trumps geography. In other words, if you have a relationship with somebody and you want to be in a community group with them and you, it's not the closest one to your house, guess what? That's cool. Just get in a group. I don't care where you go. Just go somewhere. Get in a group and get around some believers that are going to help you. So we have about 15 or 16 Groups like that that meet in various locations throughout Atlanta, mainly right here on the east side of the city. We would love to have you get connected to one of those groups. The curriculum for those groups is simply that little handout that you guys went through. So every week we pass out a study guide, a discussion guide, we call it. And during the week, you'll sit down with other brothers and sisters and work through the Bible together, learning and growing, studying God's word together. So that's our standard issue community groups. We also have what we're calling our equip community groups. And the only difference between an equip community group and a regular community group is this. Equip has a curriculum outside of your regular uh, discussion guide. It's just a different curriculum. What I wanna do right now is highlight one of our equipped community groups that's been going for a couple years and we're really excited about it. It's called Multiplication Pipeline. Any Multiplication Pipeline folks out there? Okay, they're not very excited, but maybe you will. So we wanna show you a brief video here about one of our equipped community groups. It's called Multiplication Pipeline. So turn your attention to the screen. Hey y'all, I wanna introduce you to a special community group called the Multiplication Pipeline. This is an intensive cohort style class where we're gonna gather for nine months and learn how to grow as disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus in our city, our country, and to the ends of the earth, just as he commanded us in Matthew 28. First and most importantly, we want to abide. Our relationship with Jesus is the cornerstone of this class and our lives. The word will first fall on the soil of our lives for our transformation. Secondly, we want to go. This means from gas station encounters to our conversations with old friends, we are to sow the word of God faithfully in our relationships. Lastly, we want to teach. Jesus, Paul, and other New Testament pillars have their inner circle of disciples whom they heavily invested in. Just as we have been entrusted with this good news, we want to teach and equip others who will then do the same. Hey, my name is Jesse Goey, and I was part of Multiplication Pipeline 2020 to 2021. These tools that I have now are going to be with me lifelong because I'm always gonna be sharing the gospel for the rest of my life. I want my fear of God to be greater than the fear that I have of man. I'm just very thankful that Multiplication Pipeline gave me the time to learn and the time to study that I feel confident and equipped. Hey, if this is something God is inviting you into, jump in and let's grow together. 
You can learn more at our Connect Center, or you can go online on our website or the Church Center Planning app. God bless, and we'll see you soon. there. And hey, even though our uh, multiplication pipeline participants are not like super excited apparently about being involved, we want to invite you, if you are a graduate of multiplication pipeline, we actually have a little gift for you. So if you guys would come on up here, come on, multiplication pipeline, one and two graduates, come on up here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Very good. They're moving very slowly. Come on, Andrew, that's you. Come on, come on. I see you. I see you there. Who else are we missing here? Very good. Here are some of our multiplication pipeline graduates. We have a little X for them. Get it? Get it? Multiplication pipeline. It says multiplication pipeline on there. And then just a little certificate. So if you guys want to grab that, thank these guys for their participation. You can grab that. Lawrence, I'll give you that one. Great. Thank you, guys. Grab that from Lynn. Awesome. You can grab that and take a seat. There's a bunch more of you, but you're hiding out there, okay? We want to give you your X's. So we want these to be like status symbols at Gospel Hope. If you show up and they got an X, you're like, man, that person's godly. Yeah, that's, that's it, right? So th- that is our equipped community groups. It's basically a curriculum that you walk through. And we have several equipped community groups that we want to invite you to participate in. We're going to put these up on the screen here real quick for you so that you see them. We have the Pena uh, uh, equip group. That is Multiplication Pipeline 1. So Joaquin is going to be leading that one this semester. If you'd like to be a part of that, he will be doing that. We have the Dewberry Community Group. That's Multiplication Pipeline 2. So if you've graduated from one and are a glutton for punishment and want to spend the semester with Pastor Rod, you can go through that one. We have a new, brand new community group. That's the Carter Community Group. This one is a marriage enrichment group. So if you really want to take a semester to work on your marriage, we want to encourage you to sign up with that. There's a curriculum that you'll be working through for married couples to be a part of that one. Um, We have the Grissom Community Group. That's Walk Through the New Testament. We're excited about this one because we are launching Awana and relaunching the student ministry here starting uh, in the fall. And during that time, if you're a parent and want to kind of drop your kids off and be a part of a community group that goes on during the children's ministry, that's Walk Through the New Testament. Daniel Grissom's going to be leading that. So we'd encourage you to be a part of that. That's Sunday evenings that'll be meeting. And last but certainly not least is the Hall Women's Community Group. We haven't done this one before, but we are doing a women's community group led by uh, Lynn Hall. And this is called Beyond the Shame. So if you're dealing with some brokenness in your life and you just really want to spend some time with some other ladies navigating that, that's a great community group for you to get signed up for. So those are our equipped community groups. Also, if you didn't know, uh, during this hour right now, there are, there are four Sunday school classes meeting that are led by folks from First Baptist. So if you're interested in being in part of kind of a traditional Sunday school that meets during the 11 a.m. hour, we want to encourage you to sign up for those classes. They have a curriculum that they walk through. Some of them are for senior adults, and some of them are open for anyone and everyone. We'll give you an opportunity to sign up for that in just a moment. So those are the two types of groups. You have your kind of standard-issue community groups, which are mainly geography, but relationships always trump geography. And second are the equipped community groups, and those are just about a curriculum that you are walking through. Here's what we're going to do right now. We're actually going to give you some time to get signed up. So as soon as the music starts playing in a minute, those community group leaders, if you are a group leader right now, hold up your little sign. Hold up your sign. Look all over the room. There you go. You got signs all over the room. 
these folks are going to go throughout the room. So go along the edge of the room somewhere. And if you're interested in signing up in one of those groups, have a conversation with them. Second thing, you got a handout when you came in, which has a whole bunch of lovely faces on there. You can write the name of the group that you want to join, your name and your email address on there. And you can either hand it to the leader or you can drop it off right over here in the basket by the brown box over there uh, for you to connect. Or the third way you can sign up is simply go to the Church Center app and all of those are on there. There'll be a QR code on there you can scan and that will give you all of the group options. So we actually wanna give you a moment right now, group leaders, if you can make your places, take your places throughout the room. And if you are interested in signing up, go have a conversation with these folks on your marks. Get set, connect, go, go. Breaking up the South Decatur group right here. They're trying to connect. We really want you to get connected. Um, Man, I can't emphasize that enough, how important it is for you to find some brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't want you to just go fast. We want you to go far. And you can go fast by yourself or you can go far together. So we want to encourage you to find some folks that you can really grow with and walk with and deepen your relationship with God. We want you to grow in the gospel as a family while on mission. You know, one of the... Um, one of the analogies that the Bible uses most frequently to describe the people of God is this image of the body of Christ, right? We've heard this before, that we are the body of Christ. That, that analogy has a couple of nuances. One of those nuances is like, just like my hand needs my arm and my arm needs my leg and my foot needs my arm, and so on and so forth. So we, if you've trusted in Jesus and are part of the body of Christ, you need one another. We've tried to emphasize that today. Like, we need one another. But there's another aspect to that analogy that sometimes gets missed, and it is this, that if, if we are the body, the Bible says that Christ is the head. And the way that Christ manifests himself or makes himself known in the world is through his body. For instance, let me give you a very simple illustration. If I were to come over here and shake Luke's hand, a very simple gesture, how does Luke engage with Ryan McCammick? It, it is only, thank you, very warmly, very warmly is how he does it. Okay, that's weird. Okay, um, I love Luke, but not that much, right? Um, the only way that Luke can engage with Ryan McCammick is through Ryan McCammick's what? Body. Like, because like, I'm not like this, this disembodied ghost floating around. The only way you see what you can't see is through the part that you can see. And in the same way, the only way that the world can see the God they cannot see is through his body that they can see. We are called to embody the character of God. We literally are the hands and feet of Jesus. Have you heard that before? And that doesn't mean we just do God's will or do the will of the head. It also means it's the way the head makes himself known to the world. Jesus is not, the spirit is not disembodied. He has actually embodied himself in his people, in the church. 
That's why the Bible not only calls us the body of Christ, but also the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the dwelling place of God. So friends, community, relationships, it's not incidental. It's not unimportant. It is critical, not only for our health, but for our witness to the world. We are meant to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And if we want people to know the beautiful name of our Savior, it is through the beautiful community that we embody. Nobody wants to be part of something that's dysfunctional. But if they come in here and they're like, man, these people are different in a positive way. They're different from one another. And they're actually different in the way they treat one another. And that's something that's attractive. That's something I want to be a part of. Friends, we owe it to our city. We owe it to our neighbors to truly be the body of Christ because we want them to know the beautiful name of our Savior. It's about His glory. Let's stand on our feet and sing of the beautiful name of Jesus together.